The horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Road Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Mance, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and back roads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Welcome once again to Trip Talk, everybody. Glad to have you along for the ride. And our producer is busy at the board. His name is Nathan Miller, without whose work we would not be reaching you now. So we're always glad to be working alongside Nathan. Today, we're going to talk about a part, an aspect of the Pacific Northwest. Now, from coast to coast, if you're looking for roadside attractions, kitschy art, including the art of celebrating animals, whether those animals truly exist or not, you can find that stuff all around the country. But when it comes to the Pacific Northwest, we are not slouches. So many pieces of art are celebrated because of the interaction of humanity with nature and with particular regard to the critters we love most domestic animals, and let's make room for some Sasquatch, legendary creatures as well. That's what we're talking about today. There is so much to get to. We probably won't get to them all, but we'll try for as many as we can as we visit with our good friend Harriet Vasquez, a wonderful chronicler of these unusual things, these oddities in the PNW. This is American Road Trip Talk, and we will be back right after this. Whether your perfect winter wonderland is on snow-covered Mount Hood or in a cozy, warm boutique winery or craft brewery, Mount Hood Territory is the place for your next winter stay. Hit the ski slopes midweek for fewer crowds and lift lines. Learn a new skill on a guided snowmobiling snowshoe or Nordic ski tour. Fuel up and support local at restaurants along Highway 26, brimming with chill mountain vibes. Warm up from the inside in Mount Hood Territory's craft breweries, cideries, and distilleries and visit its boutique wineries for an intimate and casual experience during cellar season. Plan your trip at mounthoodterritory.com slash winter. You can enter the American Road Monumental Moments Photo Contest now through January 14, 2023. Share your entries on social media with the hashtag ARMAG20YEARS, that's armag 2-0 years, and we may even share your post on our pages, but don't forget to enter the contest for your chance to win. First place wins a $500 gift card and two nights at the Inn on the Square in Greenwood, South Carolina, a total prize worth $750. We want to give special thanks to our Monumental Moments Photo Contest sponsors, Oregon's Mount Hood Territory, the city of West Wendover, Nevada, and the old 96th District Tourism Commission in South Carolina. Monumental Moments Photo Contest. Enter now. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days. And I want to bring attention to a life-saving product called Alert Drops. Drowsy driving is one of the most catastrophic problems in America, and Alert Drops will stop it. Kids studying in college, drinking too much caffeine, overloading on these energy drinks, They end up in the hospital. Alert Drops will stop it. What is Alert Drops? Alert Drops is a simple spray on the tongue made out of citric acid, sour lemon, and water, co-created with my uncle, Dr. Henry Heimlich, creator of the Heimlich Maneuver, who said, Anson, Alert Drops will save more lives than the maneuver. Whether you are driving, whether you are studying, whether you're just a tired mom, whenever you need to be alert, get Alert Drops. A simple spray on the tongue, nothing in your system, and you're naturally awake, naturally alert. It's scientifically proven. It's doctor approved. 
Again, it's natural. It's been honored by the United States Congress. Go to alertjobs.com. Very important. Go to alertjobs.com and stay safe. Adventure, history, and beauty all await you on the Natchez Parkway, a national scenic byway and national park. This 444-mile drive takes you through some of the country's most stunning landscapes, while also allowing you access to exciting communities along the way. From Natchez, Mississippi to Nashville, Tennessee, we invite you to explore the trace and discover America. Plan your trip at scenictrace.com. That's scenictrace.com. Tell your friends about Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to American Road Trip Talk. Author Harriet Baskus, an award-winning multimedia journalist, produces stories about unusual museums and hidden museum collections. That is when she is between writing such books as Museums of the Northwest and Stuck at the Airport, those being just two of her titles. And on occasion, Harriet visits American Road Trip Talk to share her roadside discoveries. Once again, welcome, Harriet. So glad to have you with us. Yes, delighted to be back with you. Harriet, I always have the delightful problem whenever we have you booked of trying to start someplace and get to the end, knowing I'm not going to get there. So that means I've got to pick highlights and there are so many from which to choose. In your discoveries, your road tripping, your adventuring, you come to see so many places that are delightfully odd, as I like to put it. Why don't we throw some love at our friends down there in Oregon there because they have plenty to brag about too. This is, after all, about the PNW and roadside attractions, particularly with regard to the animal kingdom. And maybe an animal that could or could not exist, it just depends on whom you ask. Let's go to Bend, Oregon for starters, in the Bend Redmond area of Oregon, and talk about a Sasquatch Museum located there. Who knew? That's right. They, I haven't been there and it's on my list of places to go, but there is a Sasquatch Museum and lots of places around the Pacific Northwest. You will encounter uh, statues, Sasquatch statues. Um, and one of my favorites is in the Redmond Airport there. There's a giant, it's not that old, it's a giant Sasquatch statue with a suitcase, of course. Um, and it's a nice place to get your picture taken. And there's a county in Washington, um, kind of out near the gorge there where um, there's a law on the books where you are not allowed to kill a Sasquatch. You might encounter one, take a photograph of it, but don't kill it. I think that's pretty good advice. Generally speaking, yes. I had a conversation on another program with someone who is who was telling us about, I don't know his exact connection, but what he did say is that there are researchers who have come to the conclusion that the only way we're going to prove the existence of Sasquatch is by killing one and bringing it in for scientific study. I found that objectionable. <laughs> and I said <laughs> as much. <laughs> I don't think that's the way to go about it. We're on Bigfoot turf when we're out there to take one down and take it with us. It might satisfy our scientific curiosity in a very big way, but is it ethical to do so? And so we had that conversation. But if there is a law in a county in Washington state where you're not allowed to kill Bigfoot, you can't kill a Sasquatch, I'm all for it. That was an interesting sidebar. Thank you for mentioning that area. <laughs> We're still in Oregon now, but we're heading toward Portland, the Tualatin Valley. What is this going on with the wonderful 26-foot-tall Harvey the Rabbit? I remember the Jimmy Stewart movie. Yeah, so I think it's maybe a reference to Harvey the Rabbit from that movie, but it's been there since the 1960s, and there's a hard-to-miss-if-you're-driving-by 26-foot-tall metal Harvey the Rabbit, and it's a rabbit that 
Um, it's a statue of fiber, I'm sorry, me, not metal, fiberglass, um, that someone left at a repair shop and then maybe didn't want to pay the bill to have it fixed. So they just kept it and they adopted it and they called it Harvey after the owner, Edgar Harvey. Um, and it's been a landmark ever since. And um, they not only keep it and keep it in good shape, but they have it whole different signs for different holidays. So I suspect there's a Valentine in Harvey's hands right now. Yes. In fact, I used a picture of it. We do some social media and promoting these broadcasts. And there was Harvey holding up a nice artistic heart saying, I love you. Perfect yes. for Valentine's Day. Yes. <laughs> Easy. You know, it's so amazing to me. I've been to Hillsboro. I have to, um, this is a confession on the air here, Harriet. I never saw Harvey. I've been in that area. I could tell you where to get a great hamburger in that area because I did so, but I don't know about Harvey. I don't know how I missed him, but I would love to get back to that region. It's so beautiful anyway, and I will be keeping my eye out for a very large rabbit when I do that. <laughs> you know, so many of us have not been on road trips outside our local area for the past two years, so it's a good thing to have some of these things that are um, to go look for. Like, oh, I've been there before, but I didn't see Harvey. Let's go back. Yes, absolutely. That's also referred to sometimes as a honey, I missed it. So you turn around, <laughs> hang a UE, let's go back and, and uh, see if I can get to look at maybe being on the yes. driver's side has some advantage. Another time would be on the passenger side where we want to take in what we want to take in. That's for sure. Good to know that's going on in Oregon. Many, many curiosities in that wonderful Beaver State. And it's such a gorgeous place to go. Anyway, kudos to Oregon. Now we're back in the Seattle area, and there is a place I would love to visit. It's interesting to me, too, Harriet, because just today, and I live in Sarasota, Florida. Can't wait to get back to the Puget Sound area for a visit anytime I can do so. It's been rough the last couple of years, as you know. But that being the case, I was taking a, a drive, actually, in Sarasota this morning. I was dropping somebody off at the airport. And what did I see? A place called Cat Depot. Now, I love cats and dogs both about equally well. And long story short, I thought Cat Depot, there's a place where I need to go into here in Sarasota where I could visit with cats. I'm not in a position right now to have one in my life again. Hope to, but not quite yet. And I can provide food. I can make a donation to keep the place running. Lovely idea. Then I get an email from you, Harriet Baskus, and you're talking about a place in Seattle, the Cat Cafe. You can hang with 11 to 15 cats, maybe even adopt one. They even have cat yoga. And I thought, of course they do. It's <laughs> Seattle. Of course they would do it that way. And God bless them. Tell us a bit about the Cat Cafe in Seattle. Well, th this one's called Seattle. I, and I can never get the word out. Meow Patrolitan. Meow Patrolitan. You know, Metropolitan Meow Patrolitan. I get it. So they Seattle, jammed a couple of words yes. together. <laughs> Which I can never say, but I... um. And I also kept passing it for a very long time and then finally went in because um, I'm doing research for a book on Seattle. And um, it is like adoptable cats. They work with with a reputable um, adoption organization. And you can just hang out in this cafe. Um, it was the, the cow, cat Pacinos were closed during the pandemic so that you couldn't have those snacks then, but they're probably open now. And you could just, you book a half hour time and these cats are um, categor categorized by the type, As it were. <laughs> whether they're super friendly, not so friendly, or mm. just kind of need a little, but, um, and then you can adopt them. And when you talk about you didn't have a cat, I, I met this guy there who had a regular 
day that he visited with, and he had a favorite cat. And I said, is it because you don't have a cat at home? He says, oh no, I have a cat at home. So he had like a cat on the side. I just really loved it. So people go and hang out with cats and, and these cats often find homes. I think that is great news. It really is. I remember my cat that had to be put down, unfortunately, after a sudden illness 30 years ago. And I'm not kidding you when I say that I think about that cat lovingly every single day, every day, 30 30 years later. So yes, we love us some cats and dogs. And that was quite the household at the time too. We had two Yorkie dogs and the Calico cat, which actually (laughs) came in one night and adopted us, such as pet life. Does Seattle have something comparable for dogs? There's a place I believe called the Dog Yard. Well, the dog yard, it's funny because it's in my neighborhood and I don't have a dog, but um, I'm going there tomorrow to meet a friend who has a dog. And it's, you know, Seattle is very dog friendly. It's like everyone has a dog. So it's a place where it's like part bar, part cafe and a big open yard where dogs can just hang around together and run free while their owners sit and kind of have a drink or a snack. And um, I went there once to visit it and it just seemed it seemed just really fun for the dogs. They were all running around. They were all well-behaved. And um, they even have like meetups. Tomorrow I'm meeting a friend who has a Frenchie dog. And so there's a Frenchie dog meetup tomorrow morning. So it's like a dog community. It's for people who have dogs, of course, or or who don't have dogs who want to just see dogs having a good time. So it's a nice concept. Let us give pigs equal time. How about Pike Place Market? I understand there's a piece of art there called Rachel the Pig that serves a purpose beyond being a nice piece of art. Yeah, so Rachel the Pig is in so many tourist um, pictures and selfies. It's a big um, metal bronze pig that you can, I think sometimes you see people putting their kids on top of it, but it's also a big piggy bank. And um, every they People put coins in there and cash in there, and they use that money to support the social services that the, that the Market Foundation offers, health services and things for homeless people. So it's a very good uh, good purpose and a really fun thing to see. That's turning it's like the mascot. Yes, yeah. yeah, a mascot serving a, not only an artistic, but a very practical, humane purpose. I love that. Yes. Let's go. And then, and then there's Fremont and anyone who goes from any other part of Seattle to Fremont recognizes much to their uh, delight. I'm sure that they have come to the center of the universe. If you don't believe that, just ask people who live in Fremont. That's right. (laughs) Topiary dinosaurs. Now this is interesting, Harriet, because in various places around the country, just driving around occasionally, very occasionally, I will see houses that have nice front yards and topiary is there once in a great while they'll attempt a dinosaur to greater or lesser effect, you know, but it does happen. Now in Fremont, it's a place where I can actually say I would expect to find such a thing. Right. First I have to say, I wasn't sure if I, if I, we should have called um, the troll under the bridge an animal or not, but a lot of people know that there's a troll under the, under the bridge in Fremont, but the topiary dinosaurs, they, um, they were a promotion for an event, uh, an exhibit at the Pacific Science Center many years ago. And they stuffed these wire dinosaurs, a mom and a baby, with ivy um, to promote the dinosaur exhibit. And then they didn't want them anymore. So they sold them or they, um, they let free, the neighborhood of Fremont adopt them for a dollar. And then they had to figure out how um, Fremont had to figure out how to get them over to Fremont. So they figured that out. They got people to donate trucks and stuff. And then they brought them over there and they figured out that the 
the ivy was just stuffed in there. So they had to start over to make it a topiary sculpture. So it's taken many years. Um, I've been in Seattle 30 years now. And um, I remember driving by these this sculpture and it just it looked kind of sad for many years. But now the ivy is all grown in. It's 66 feet long. So it's a mom and a baby. Topiary dinosaurs, very lush with ivy now. Um, and so it's really, again, a nice place um, to go by. It's right by the, the canal. So you can, you'll, can walk by it. People take pictures of it. Little kids go inside under them. Um, and there's community groups that um, go and take care of it. So there's like a, a dino wrangler that comes by with, um, with um, gardening shears once in a while. It's really cool. Well, you have to keep those dinosaurs spruced up. Yes, for sure. Yes. You know, Harriet, when you talk of these things this this way, you remind me of the fact that many times the art would be lost to the public were it not for could be a person, could be a group of persons who take a proactive interest. They're so uh, you know the topiary dinosaurs. Yes, absolutely. And we talked at the outset about uh, Harvey, the rabbit. I mean, these were neglected items and somebody had a vision for those. It wasn't simply salvage. It was turning it into contemporary art of a very kitschy variety, but nevertheless, art. That's right. So, so many things, you know, someone might make it for their project and then they're no longer there or they no longer can keep it. Um, so, yeah, other people adopt it and it becomes some of these things become just one person's start as one person's um, obsession and become a community project. Exactly right. And that's what I love that it things have a long history and become part of our communal history. So to paraphrase one person's trash is another person's treasure. <laughs> yes. These are examples. Yes. Exactly. I love that. Why don't we take a drive South to the lovely town of gig Harbor you mentioned something to me in our communications earlier about racing roosters. Now, is this are these artistic pieces where they look like they're racing, or do you actually have roosters racing around Gig Harbor? Yes, this was part of Gig Harbor's history. So Gig Harbor is kind of a maritime community. Um, for a while, they had, and I think they um, they brought it back, an annual contest, um, who can find the roundest rock? I love that about them. But from 1935 to 1948, there was a guy in town um, Shaw, I think his last name was, who was kind of a promoter. And he had um, racing roosters. I think it would be like a summertime thing. And he had trained roosters that would race. You weren't supposed to bet on them, but I think you could, um, or probably people did. Um, and they lived in a little town called Roosterville. And he would always hire these um, beautiful young women from town and put them in what looked like bathing suits when you look at pictures. And they were called the roosterettes. They were the rooster tenders. So it was a whole kind of thing going on there. But um, it got very popular. You know, those um, newsreels that they used to run before movies. It even got in one of those news newsreels to talk about the racing roosters. So that's part of their history there. They had a good press agent. Yes. That's excellent. And it's okay to be unabashedly a promoter of tourist traps. You want people to come in, yes. you have some beckoning behemoth there welcoming them. That's all in a day's work. I respect that. <laughs> Let us take, now this is a place I have never been. You know, I've lived in the Puget Sound area, different places for 21 years. And there are just some places I have yet to see. One of them is Carnation. Now in Carnation, Harriet, I guess they have a giant cow statue there and it's got yes. quite a history. 
So Carnation Farms, um, we know that name from the the little cans of milk, but Carnation Farms is real. And um, they have a giant cow statue there in honor of a very famous um, milking cow um, from the 1920s. Um, I can't pronounce her name, but she was referred to as Possum Sweetheart. And in 1920, she like gave more milk than any other cow had ever done. 37,361 pounds of milk. Wow. Um, And at that time, the average cow produced only 4,000 pounds of milk. So she was a good producer and well-loved. And she got um, very famous. Um, She got, again, picture in like the national um, newspapers and newsreels. And um, Jack Dempsey came to visit for some Mm -hmm. reason, um, the heavyweight boxing champ. Um, And after she died in 1925, after all that work, um, they put up a statue in her honor. And you can see it when you drive down the road there. And here again, you go to Carnation, there is something to see. Yes. You go there, it's it's a kind of welcoming presence. Yes. It's very charming. Great. So, uh, yes, uh, three years after the cow died, the farm erected a life-size statue of her at its entrance. Perfect. Just great. <laughs> now, let's get back to dinosaurs here for a second. Another place I've got to see someday, Granger. They have dinosaur statues around town? Yeah, so Granger is out near Yakima, and um, they started, you know, a lot of, I think maybe once there, someone might have found a dinosaur bone near there, um, but they, a lot of towns kind of want a thing. And so that town started a campaign where every year they erected a new dinosaur statue somewhere in town. So there's dinosaurs in the parks and there's dinosaurs in different places. So you can, and there's a di- welcome to Granger dinosaur sign as well. Um, so um, that's just a town that um, celebrates dinosaurs, even though Nothing it's not probably that. full of dinosaurs. Yeah. <laughs> So many things to see. Let's go back. As a matter of fact, there's one place I wanted to mention. And when I do get out to Western Washington again, I cross my fingers and hope that this is the year I can do it. Getting out there, I would like to see the little town. It's uh, along the coastal highway there. And that is Raymond, Washington. They have metal sculptures there. And it's known as a town of metal people. But some of that involves interaction with animals in a way that lets you know this is a friendly town. We're glad you're here. Come stay with us. That's right. I forgot about those metal statues. Um, they're along the highway. There's probably a sign, welcome to Raymond, and they're right there. And um, I can't remember what they are of, but I suspect at least one is an elk. But Is that what you're talking about? Yes, yeah. that's right. I believe there's even a little girl feeding a dog. You know, oh, just perfect. Yeah. This wonderful, welcoming atmosphere in Raymond, Washington, little town America in that yeah. corner of the country. Yes. You know, and I'm doing this now at this moment. I figure let's go ahead and squeeze in something here because it seems a bit like a public service announcement. I remember stories on the TV news years and years ago about Wolfhaven in Tenino, Washington. Now, that's a wolf sanctuary, though I understand presently it's not open to tourists, maybe visitors in a while. But nonetheless, they maintain this wolf sanctuary. That's important work. Yes. And um, yeah, so I, I was looking, poking around their website last night and um, it did not look like they were open even by reservations yet. I'm not sure why, but it is a wolf sanctuary. I haven't been there, but I have a friend who would uh, make sure to go there um, once a year. Um, and she felt very spiritual about it. Um, a lot of people do have that connection to wolves. So it, it is an important place doing important work. And we do have time to drop down to Portland again. We're going back and forth here. Portland and their famous Grant Park. They've got some statues of note there. So 
So in Grant Park, um, Beverly Cleary, who I think died last year at over 100. Is that, is that the one you're talking about? Yes. Yes. So in Grant Park, Beverly Cleary, um, who um, lived in Portland, I think for a long time, um, in Grant Park, they have characters from her books. Um, so they have Henry Huggins and Henry Huggins' dog, who was named Ribsy. Ribsy. Um, which is short for spare ribs. Um, okay. So um, they have characters there and you can go and again, visit and um, maybe read a book, read a Beverly Cleary book and, um, and get your picture taken with those statues. There's Excellent. also another dog stat, stat, I don't know if we call it a statue, that, um, but in Portland, um, down in um, the North Park blocks, they've got um, a, a dog bowl. That's a little, that's a fountain. If it works right anymore, um, <laughs> that was made by um William Wegman, who we who is kind of famous for taking doing um, art photographs with his dogs, which are wine marama, wine maramas. I can't say that either today. I think um, it's wine maraners. Wine maraners. Okay, and um, so he's he's a famous photographer, and he has this this little dog ball statue there, which I think is very charming as well. And that's what it's about. It's about this this celebration of the animal kingdom and our interactions with these wonderful creatures with which we are blessed. And there are responsibility as well. We have just enough time, Harriet, and I'm glad to be able to offer you this opportunity to tease just a little bit your upcoming book. Now, are you through writing it? Is it going through editing? Where are you with that? So, uh, yes, it's with the copy editor now, and there's a uh, print date in April, and it should be out in July. So it's called 111 Places in Seattle You Must Not Miss, and it's part of an international series of books with those names, there's a already one out, um, 111 places in Portland you must not miss, which um, mentions Bobby the Wonder Dog, um, <laughs> buried in the um, Oregon Humane Society Cemetery down in Portland. But I did the a Seattle version, um, which should be out this summer, and hopefully I can come back and talk to you about it then. Hopefully, we're going to hold you to it. That would be great. Harriet Baskus, thank you so much. Good luck with the book project, and we will definitely do this again. I want to hear all about the 111 places, nifty use of numbers there (laughs) in Seattle. We originate in Seattle as a broadcast before we're a podcast, so it's just perfect. Thank you, Harriet Baskus. Always a pleasure. Thank you. We'll be right back. You've probably heard of Fargo, North Dakota, but we'll bet it's different from what you expected. Add Fargo to your bucket list this fall and find bold autumn colors along the Red River of the North, cow print, and Mario Brothers-themed murals, the world's largest dilly bar, and, of course, the nicest people you've ever met. Experience North, that is, North of Normal. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Aiken, South Carolina. It's a small southern town built on equestrian traditions, sporting fun, and outdoor pursuits. Located in western South Carolina, just 20 miles from the Georgia state line, Aiken has many unique activities to cater to each kind of visitor's needs. Welcome to Aiken, South Carolina, and welcome to the Sporting South. Alternative Talk 1150, the talk of the sound. 
And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning into American Road Trip Talk. Along with Thomas and Becky Rep, co-founders of American Road Magazine, we remind you to visit our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview the current issue. Until next time, dream well and drive safely on the American Road. <laughs>